This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Matthew chapter 9, as soon as you find your spot, if you will, stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse number 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would be with this, uh, be with this service. Lord, I pray that you would remove me so that your message and your will can get across. Lord, I pray that you would use this message to work in people's hearts as you've used it to work in mine. Lord, challenge us this evening. We love you and we pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Growing up, especially in, in a preacher's home, it's kind of almost expected, hey, you're going to be a preacher. However, growing up, I had extreme stage fright. I remember the first time I got up in front of people, I cried. I cried. I sat down. I was just supposed to give a prayer request. That's it. I got up. I shakily gave my prayer request, cried, and sat down just like, oh, no, this is in front of my entire youth group. What on earth? And then, by God's providence, he called me to be a preacher. <laughs> and so, I had to learn a lot about being in front of people. And I have by in no means arrived at that point. But I th I'm thankful for all the teachers that I've had. Chief this, of, of course, is my dad. And when it comes to the area of teachers, there are some teachers that you just, you know, have in the back of your mind, they are a really good teacher. There are some teachers where you know they were not that good at teaching a specific subject. Uh, the first time I ever had to teach a subject, I remember the night before. And I remember just fumbling through it. It was awful. But, you know, when it comes to the area of missions, we have one of the best teachers in the entire world. And so tonight, I want to pre it, preach a message called Missions Taught by Jesus. And the first thing I want to see is the compassion for missions. We see in verse number 35, in G uh, uh, sorry, verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. The first thing about, about the compassion of missions is the Savior's compassion. And the first thing I want to see with the Savior's compassion is that he was a studying person. When it says, but he saw the multitudes, that word saw is not just a passing glance. A, uh, I, I remember in college having to read copious amounts of books. And 
some of those books I remember nothing from because I just scanned over for the quiz. And even the teacher's like, you can just scan over it. Don't worry. It's fine. But this is not the same word. It's not a scanning or a speed reading. This, is a, this word in the Greek is actually an observation, a purposeful look. It is, Jesus was actively studying the multitude. He took the time to see the people walking by. He saw their manners, their toil for the unattainable, their braggadocious piety of the Pharisees, and the stealthy wickedness. And you know what happened? He wept. He was moved with compassion on them. He was searching people. Actively searching people. He wasn't just searching people. He was seeing the multitudes. He saw their true condition. So we see not only was he a studying person, but he was also a sympathizing person. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He saw the condition, and he didn't just shrug off and say, hey, the world will be the world. Oh, yeah, they're, they're unsaved. They're, they're going to sin. No, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He wasn't mad at the false righteousness of the Pharisees. He was not angry at the Romans for the control over his people. He wasn't even disgusted at the two-faced spiritual wickedness of his own people, his, the Jewish people. When he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. That word compassion is an old French word. Now, if you took French in high school or took French for a while, I apologize for my pronunciation, but it comes from compati, meaning with suffering. See, he had a with suffering for them. When he saw their sinful condition, he had a burden for them. Well, let me ask you this. When you step out those doors and you see the world around you, do you have a burden? Are you willing to see? He saw the people and was moved with compassion. He had pity. He was sorrowful with them because of their spiritual condition. Well, what was their spiritual condition? Well, we see the sheep's condition. First off, that they were fainted. Some of the Jews were stuck in a rut. They were just worshiping as they ought to. Why? Because they were Jewish. We go to the temple every year. We sacrifice. We do this. We do that. We bring this. We offer this. Why? Because we're Jewish. In Japan, the commonality, uh, yes, uh, 80% claim Buddhism, uh, or 70% claim Buddhism, 68% claim Shintoism, or scratch that, reverse it. Yeah, they claim that, but you know, our, the new generation, the generation coming up, they claim Shintoism. But you know what? Most of the time they go to their shrine because they're Japanese. They, they uh, do all these religious activities. Why? We're Japanese. It's what we do. It's part of our Japanese tradition. You see, 
Buddhism and Shintoism is, is so engulfed in the Japanese culture that it's hard to separate the two. That's why Japanese is so difficult. Or Japan is so difficult. But they need it. The entire culture is centered around Buddhist uh, traditions and Shintoist traditions. But they still need Christ. They still need the gospel. They were fainted. They were scattered abroad. Everyone was going about their own way, following whatever deity they find fits their needs at the moment. And the Romans of that day had hundreds of gods to suit. In Japan, they believe that everything is and can be a spirit, whether that is a malevolent spirit or a benevolent spirit. They don't want to inadvertently offend the spirit, so they will take so meticulous care of everything. While I was in Japan, I was able to spend an hour and a half conversation with a Japanese man. I was trying to witness to him. He was just giving me the what's what of what they believe. And we were in the middle of a park, and he said, he, he said, you see this park? You see why it is so clean? Because in this park, there could be a spirit. And when there's trash and gunk and something looks not right about the park, we could offend the spirit that way. And so we will take care of this park so we don't offend the possible spirit here. You see, in, ja in Japan those pianos could have a, a spirit, the spirit of those pianos. These violins might have spirits, and so they will take meticulous care of these instruments, make sure they're polished, clean, tuned, tuned perfectly, because they don't want to offend spirits. They were so scattered abroad now let's, let's be honest with ourselves. We're in, we're in Virginia, uh, probably about, what, three hours from Washington, D.C., four hours? How scattered abroad are they? But you know, you don't have to travel four hours to see scattered abroad. You can step outside those doors, make a, make a right. Right next to 665, 664. Uh, six, right next to 664 and just see the scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So we see the compassion for missions. Secondly, I want to see the care for missions. In verse number 37, it says, Then Jesus saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The first thing that I want to see is the care to see. It is interesting the, the note that in verse 37 we see, we typically think, oh, Jesus talk, is talking about we need to pray for more. We need to pray. No. First thir don't skip over 37. Verse 37 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. In my mind's eye, I can almost see Jesus looking over Jerusalem and the multitudes and saying, Hey, Peter, see those Pharisees down there? 
they need me. John, James, you see those Romans down there oppressing your people? They need me. Judas, you see those people down there with their fake spirituality? They need me. You see, verse 37, we can't skip over 37 because he's, Jesus is saying to his disciples, take a look. I want to implore you tonight, hey, take a look. Preaching to myself here, hey, take a look. Do you have a care to see the unsaved world around you? Do you care to take a look? Not just a drive-by pass, but observe. And not just observe, but, hey, there's not a lot of people witnessing. You could be him. There's not a lot of missionaries in this part of the world. Hey, that could be you. There's a need over here. Hey, that could be me. The harvest truly, truly, truly is plenteous. But the laborers, they're few. Do you care to see the harvest? Do you care to see how little laborers or how weak or Do you care to see how little laborers there are? So we see not only a care to see, but also, verse number 38, a care to pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The first, one of the few things that Jesus, Jesus asks for is not just see the harvest, see the, see the need, but pray about filling the need. Pray for someone to, if you're already in a place of need, that someone will fill another place of need. Pray for someone to come across your path so that you can lead them to Christ. Pray. Pray for missions. Pray that God would provide extra money to give to missions. Pray for your church members so that someone would come across their path. Pray that God would confirm and show you the mission field that he wants you to be in. One pastor said, not, every, not everyone is called to foreign missions. However, every Christian should struggle with it at one point in time or another. Pray for missionaries on, already on the field so that their missions field would bear and grow fruit. Pray for the next generation that would answer the call for missions. When it comes to the area of missions, you can ask Brother Wagar, there's no small list of things to pray for. Every Christian should care enough to pray not only for their own mission field, their own work as a missionary, but for someone else's. So we see not only the compassion for missions and the care for missions, the thirdly I want to see is the call for missions. If you will, turn with me to Acts. Acts 
Acts chapter 1. Again, another very familiar passage. And in verse number 8, it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the first thing I want to see about a call to missions is that there is a general call to missions. In Acts 1.8 it says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me. At this point in time, who was Jesus talking to? Acts 1. He was talking to all the known Christians. All the known Christians of that day. Saying, you trusted in me, guess what? You're going to be a witness. You shall be a witness. So guess what? If we apply this verse to us, guess what that means? We shall be witnesses. It is a general call. The Great Commission is just that, a general call. Hey, you're going to be a witness. Every Christian has a duty to be a missionary, to tell the world that Christ died for their sin and that there is an escape from the wrath of God, which means we need to be reaching those across the globe as well as across the neighborhood, across the street. However, I've, growing up, uh, traveling across the United States, getting to be in youth groups and in camps, I know there are a lot of people that have made campsite decisions. Something that they say, I am going to live for Christ. I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm going to do this for God. And they are on it for about two months. Maybe a year. If they're but a very few continue on into what they promised they were going to do. But the Bible says in First John 2, 6, tells us, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he, being God, walked. So if we apply that verse to our life as well, if in Matthew 9, 36, and 36, uh, 36, Jesus saw the multitude and was moved with compassion. Shouldn't we also have? If we say that we're saved, yeah. We walk with God, shouldn't we also have that same eyes and mindset? One composer said, Through your eyes, dear Lord, help me see this world. Your eyes of mercy, your eyes of compassion, your eyes of forgiveness and love, through your eyes, dear Lord, help me see this world through your eyes. Jesus saw the world and he saw their unsaved depravity and it moved him and urged them and it, uh, it should apply to us as well. We need to have compassion for the world. So we see not only a general call, but if you will turn to Acts 13, just a few, 12 chapters over. Acts number 13, there's also a specific call to missions. In Acts 13, it says, starting in verse 1, And now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. 
And when they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. This shows that there is a specific place that God calls some people. Pastor, God has called you to Chesapeake. This is your mission field. Brother Wagar, God's called you to Chuk Micronesia. That's your mission field. The Lord has called us to Japan. So we have to, we cannot stay. We have to go. Some of you may be here tonight saying, Lord, you actually have called me to a specific place. But I'm not there. I'm not even trying to get there. Some individuals are called to a specific place to be a witness. This is where there's a specific call. In 2008, I received my, uh, a call to be a... I surrendered to go into full-time Christian service. Uh, I, at that time, I didn't know what that meant. I just know, Lord... You want me to go into the ministry. You want me to not be in the ministry. Whatever. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And over the course of four years, with missionaries coming in on deputation, furlough, presenting their ministry, God was using that to work my heart and mind towards missions. And in 2012, uh, in February of 2012, we had a missionary from Japan come through. And it was almost like God was saying, hey, would you surrender to go to Japan? And I said, you know, God, you've had missionaries from Ireland. You've had missionaries from Israel. You've had missionaries from Italy. I, if this is just going to be like all those other missionaries, no, I'm not going to surrender. You've done this so many times. If you're just, if this is just going to be another along the lines of missionaries, no, I'm not going to surrender. Well, that was strike one. Because I was able to go to the Wilds Christian Camp for uh, the first week of teen camp. And my counselor just so happened to be a missionary's kid from Japan. And again, it was like God was saying, hey, Caleb, seriously, will you surrender to go to Japan? And I, again, I told God, you know, I, I've had people from like Africa. I played soccer with people from Africa. I've had... Uh, my violin mate in orchestra was a missionary's kid from Taiwan. If this is just going to be like all those other people, no, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to do it. You, you've done this before to other places. I'm not going to surrender to go to Japan. So again, I told God no. <laughs> Strike two. Because halfway through the summer, that missionary came through again. And again, God was saying, seriously, Caleb, will you surrender to go to Japan? This time I didn't have an excuse. I just was being stubborn saying, no, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to do it. Well, God got me back because I was able to go back to the wilds for the last week of camp because it was half price. And I have no idea what Brother Tom Farrell was preaching on that Thursday night. 
because God got a hold of my heart saying, Caleb, you know exactly where I want you to go and what I want you to do, but you're being too stubborn and selfish to go. And just say, fine, yes, I'll go. So that's what I did. That night I said, you know what? It was July 5th, 2012. I said, fine, Lord, I'm going to go. If you want me to go to Japan, I'll go to Japan. And ever since then, God has been like, all right, you surrendered to go. I'm going to make this burden undeniable. So I went to Bible college, met my beautiful wife. Uh, I annoyed the living daylights out of her because I sat right behind her. And uh, again, we were able to go to Japan for our internship. And God used that internship to really grasp a hold of my heart, saying, I, I, I had that conversation with that Japanese man, hour and a half conversation, coming back from that going, Lord, how, how on earth do you want me to do this? I know the Romans road, I know the Isaiah road, I know the John road. How does that apply to what I just learned? That they worship millions and millions of spirits. How, how do you want me to do this? Because I don't know. And by God's providence, the very next morning, I was reading in my devotions, Isaiah 45, and it was in our video. He stopped me at verse 6 saying, Caleb, stop. That's why. Isaiah 45, verse 6, that says, that they may know from the rising of the sun. Japan is known as the land of the rising sun. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, there is none else. And that was the proverbial nail in the coffin. Like, okay, I can't not go now. <laughs> Why? God has confirmed it in my heart. This is where God wants me to go. Now, being the same year, not yet married, we couldn't go to the same place. So she was in a totally different part of Japan. And when I had this experience and like read that and was like, oh man, I, I gotta go, I can't wait, I have to come back, I can't wait to come back. I called her and God was doing the exact same thing in her heart at the exact same time. Confirming in her, her heart, Japan was where God wanted her to be. So now, we have to go. We, we cannot wait to go back to Japan. So I want to ask you this. Do you have compassion for missions? Do you care at all about missions? Do you care about your own mission? Not, not just this church, but you yourselves, your own missions. Will you answer the call for missions? Whether it's a general, I will be a witness, or to a specific place. Will you answer the call? Let's bow our heads in the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, if there's anyone here that says, Brother Caleb, there's, I, I can't be a missionary. This is a lesson on missions, but I can't be a missionary because I'm not saved. If there's someone here like that, I pray that you would come forward and someone will show you from the Bible how you can know you can be saved. 
If there's someone here that will say, Brother Caleb, I'm saved, but I don't have compassion for missions like I sh I'm supposed to. I don't care about missions like I'm supposed to. I don't care about my own missions like I'm supposed to. I have not been answering the call for missions, but you know what? Tonight, I want to get that right with God. If there's someone like that, I pray that you will come forward and get that right with God. Lord, work according to your will. Use this for your honor and for your glory. And we pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.